Johnny, I want to say hi, and I'm sorry we can't be there, but that's just the way it is. I want to sing you one of your songs about trades. I used to sing this song before I ever wrote a song, and I also want to thank you for standing up for me way back when. Train of love is a coming. Big black wheels. Welcome back to Never Ending Stories. I'm Ian. Got a very special bonus episode for you all out there today. I'm honored to be joined by Mr. Steve Jenkins, the director of the Bob Dylan Center, home of the Bob Dylan Archive there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Last week, Steve came through my neck of the woods here in San Francisco to present an evening of Bob Dylan film programming, the beautiful, historic Roxy Theater down in the Mission. It was a wonderful little program that he curated, filled with all sorts of treats and treasures sourced directly from the Bob Dylan archive, many of which, honestly, I was not even I was not even aware of, never even seen, never even knew they existed. As Steve himself says in our conversation, you know, it's not intended to be a complete and definitive portrait of Mr. Bob Dylan, as if such a thing could ever exist. But it did do a wonderful job of hitting all sorts of highlights all throughout the man's long and storied career. Steve was kind enough to sit down with me for a little while and rap about Bob himself, the programming, and everything going on there at the Bob Dylan Center. It was a real treat for me, not only to catch such a great show in a full house full of other Bob heads right here in my own backyard, but also to speak with someone who, you know, <laughs> he, he knows his stuff even more than I do. Here's Steve. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining me here today, Steve, to talk about, um, I guess this doesn't actually have like a, does this have like a formal title? It was just listed, I think, on the Roxy website as like an evening with the Bob Dylan Center. Yes, I've been unofficially referring to this as 50 years in 60 minutes. Okay. Uh, because it's a, 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 a compendium of, of a compendium of clips of uh, Dylan on stage and in the studio at various points throughout his long and still evolving career. Uh, but uh, it's true. It has not yet had an official title. Uh, it's uh, really just a program that I hope hangs together chronologically and thematically uh, that sees Dylan at some, I think, particularly high points uh, in his uh, in his performances. Absolutely. Yeah. Some uh, some high points uh, that are going to be familiar to some out there, many, presumably everyone out there in the audience and some other high points that uh, I was familiar with and you're familiar with, obviously, but maybe not uh, quite as well known out there. The Tony Bennett uh, uh, performance, for instance, or the Train of Love cover, which are uh, a couple just extraordinary moments. Um, can you just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, how you put this together and where it kind of came from? 
sure thing. So, you know, all of these clips are called uh, from the Bob Dylan archive, which we house here at the Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Your listeners might know we opened in May of 2022 as the permanent home of the Dylan archive. And this consists of tens of thousands of items, uh, many of which uh, have been highlighted in our recently published Mixing Up the Medicine book. I believe you've spoken with uh, the dynamic to my colleagues, Mark and Parker, yep. who performed miracles with that book and the accompanying exhibition. And in amongst all those materials are film clips, uh, you know, uh, some professionally taken, others caught on the fly. And we have a lot to choose from. We've also been doing a lot of preservation work on some of this uh, film footage. And I thought, uh, you know, we show some of these uh, clips in the center and it seemed like packaging them together in this case, there are a dozen. Um, as I say, it runs about an hour. Uh, it seemed like a good way to take the show on the road and to be able to share with uh, our members, fellow enthusiasts and, and friends far and wide, some of what we're doing here at the center. It's a little more challenging to have the one-of-a-kind documents, the handwritten lyrics, the notebooks, the journals, uh, much of the other material that we showcase from the archive. It's, a, it's more challenging, not impossible, but, but a little more difficult to take that and package it up and, and travel it be it to San Francisco, Portland, New York, and hopefully many more cities to come. But putting together a film program, uh, you know, once you figure out the, the best uh, format to do that in and make sure your uh, your MP4s are speaking to your DCPs and all the rest <laughs> of it, it's a relatively easy thing to pull off. Uh, so uh, the idea came about to uh, put together this program Again, uh, you know, as, as I hope I've made clear at screenings, this is by no means an attempt to uh, present a definitive portrait of Dylan as if there would or should be such a thing. Exactly. Uh, it's really just, you know, jumping in at uh, different points, going back all the way to the early 60s uh, and to much more recent years, uh, looking at Dylan where he has so often thrived uh, to his full capacity on stage and in the studio. Uh, so uh, it just became a, a process of uh, picking and choosing among materials that are available to us from the archive and uh, seeing how those hang together. Do they tell a narrative of, of sorts? Uh, do we see Dylan? I think we do in various guises, in various personae across these dozen clips um, and of course, you know, first and foremost, amazing musical performances um, that that you know we we know he's capable of time and time again. <laughs> yeah, amazing musical performances uh, <laughs> and Bob Dylan go go hand in hand together uh, sure, uh, yeah. quite often. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a really extraordinary little package, uh, and, and just like um, uh, you know, for someone like me who you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I think I'm on the the higher end of uh, you know knowledge about this kind of thing compared to your average moviegoer, for instance, as are any as is anyone who's listening to this interview at this point. Um, but it, like even even for me. It, there were some insane, extraordinary discoveries there, stuff I had never seen, stuff I wasn't even actually aware of, starting with the the very first film in the entire package, which is from 1961, I think. And it, like, I, can you just give us, like, what what is going on there? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting backstory. But first of all, I'm happy to hear that even someone as steeped in the material as you, Ian, found some of this material to be uh, a, a pleasant surprise. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, you know, that represents the tip of the iceberg of what we have here in the archive, which is, wow, that does exist. You know, rumored items, things that I think even the most diehard Dylanologists might only have dreamed about. And sure enough, a, a, a lot of this stuff exists. Yeah, so it's got one, some, uh, some good stuff, <laughs> some diamonds of the deep, dark ocean, you could say. Definitely. So one example, as you referenced, is this, we, we start the program with about a five-minute, uh, just a short documentary that looks at Dylan's involvement in the soundtrack to a film with an odd title called Autopsy on Operation Abolition. And this was an answer film of sorts, a, re a refutation to Operation Abolition, which was a get the commies, uh, you know, propaganda documentary. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the the Catholic Church got involved in wanting to refute what was clearly propaganda as that witch hunt was going on uh, in, you know, from the mid 50s up until the early 60s. And uh, they wanted to say, look, this, this is, you know, this is not the case. Uh, people are being called communists who really are just. Uh, for free speech. And what if they are party members anyway? You know, this is not the time to uh, demonize. Uh, so they were really trying to do something that was pushing back at, at McCarthyism. And Dylan got involved um, through Tony Glover, uh, who uh, you know, he knew and, and was playing with and palling around with. Uh, and, uh, you know, Dylan had already signed to Columbia, but had not yet released his first record mm. yet. He thought, well, you know, this is a worthwhile project to get involved with. Uh, I'll write some music for it. So you hear Dylan strumming away and singing, uh, in, in on the soundtrack to this film. Now this was never commercially released. Uh, it, it, it got caught in who knows what sort of, uh, challenges and difficulties as as that film was uh, being worked on. Uh, so it, it's <laughs> hardly been widely seen. I think it has screened in part at Cinematex here and there. Um, I spoke with someone while I was in the Bay Area who knew of some footage that had been shown, for example, with the Pacific Film Archive in Berkeley. Sure. But, you know, this, this is just a one-off. And so uh, really this documentary that we put together is one of the only opportunities that audiences will have to see some of the footage from this, you know, this this oddity of a documentary, uh, and and you know, more importantly for our purposes, hear Dylan on the soundtrack again before the self titled record had had even come out. Incredible! Uh, so it's a it's a it's a real curio and fills in a little bit of a blank of what Dylan was up to in those very early days of being in New York and, uh, and getting caught up in, in various projects. That's wild. And how, like, I, I don't know if you are at liberty to disclose, I know, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, how archives come into possession of their items is, uh, privileged information, but like, how, like that, that film, like, how did you even like <laughs> get something like that? Yeah. Well, it, some, some of the footage, uh, uh, was found as part of the archival materials, you know, that Dylan and his camp had been uh, sourcing and collecting. 
and, and just holding on to without any real sense of what they were going to do with it until about 2016 when mm. uh, when ultimately uh, the material came to Tulsa. And then, you know, we did some digging and uh, there was an interview uh, with with Tony. Uh, he's riding a train. That's a great he's interview. Talking, <laughs> he's talking about the early days. And, uh, you know, he's he's sifting back through his own memories of, OK, how did this all come about? And <laughs> what's the name of that film we worked on? And and what did we what names did we give ourselves on the sort of unofficial contract that was signed because they couldn't use their real names? They were already under contract elsewhere. Uh, so there are just lots of odd little uh, fun mysteries uh, behind uh, this this one short clip and it it seemed like a good way to start this hour long program uh, be, because uh, we figured almost no one would be familiar with this uh, this bit of history and uh, it it really starts at the, you know it's it's pre pre first album so it seemed like a good place to start yeah it's an extraordinary you know presentation uh and just i think indicates the the, the real depths like how much you know actual un, you know you figure bob dylan or you think bob dylan the man has been photographed more than almost anyone on the planet been written about more than any artist of the 20th century and yet there's still so much undiscovered country out there uh and fortunately there's a <laughs> a brilliant institution uh dedicated to uh archiving it and representing it well, look, we're we're honored to play the part we do in uh, stewarding this collection and in being a home for other material that has emerged and that I believe will continue to. Because as you say, just when you think, well, okay, by this point, we've seen and heard it all, you know, thanks to the bootleg series, uh, there's already been this alternative Dylan history over all these years that continues to unfold. Yet even beyond that, uh, there are these gems that that emerge, and so I, I have no reason to think that uh, w- the phone won't ring again or an email won't come in with some shocker of <laughs> you know of material that that someone out there or uh, is holding on to, uh, and we'll do our best to keep sharing that with the wider audience as things come in. Excellent, you're doing uh, doing Lord's work there. Um, another uh, one of the earlier clips that you present and this was again totally new to me uh was a presentation or was a just a acoustic performance bob solo uh doing hollis brown on a what appeared to be like a like a, a stage like a film set of some sort what where, where did that come from yes a tv studio for a special called folk songs and more folk songs and it oh it's just incredible performance so impactful uh you know there he is doing hollis brown it's really beautifully shot there's a a slow pan over to dylan on this set uh, there's an offstage banjo player so you only, so you hear the banjo but you only see dylan sure. furiously strumming uh his acoustic guitar uh and singing with incredible focus and um you know drawing out the the vowels and and really making Every syllable of every line of that incredibly powerful song count for all it's worth. Uh, it's it's just a, a riveting clip. I agree, and uh, to see him being so self possessed so early on, you know, he's still baby faced in a way. <laughs> uh, this is you know, this is twenty year old uh, uh, or twenty or twenty one year old uh, young Bob 
who's just really become Bob Dylan. Maybe yep. he's still Robert Zimmerman, whoever he, either of those <laughs> people are. But, you know, there he is. Um, he's already, I think, aware of his impact as it's made when when he's in front of a camera. You know, he seemed really uh, attuned to, uh, even then, into how he comes across. Mm. Even if it's a kind of studied nonchalance, I think there's really an awareness of the camera and what a close-up can do um, as the camera pans in closer and closer toward the end of that performance. And then he just turns and walks away. Uh, it, it's um, it's something to see. Yeah, it's it's yeah. interesting. And and the the close ups. You're totally right about that. The first thing that flashed to my mind when when I was watching that was a lot of the eat the document, or excuse me, not eat the document. Well, I guess some of the eat the document footage too. But really, the um, Ronaldo and Clara footage, the close ups mm. that you get there. Um, that are beautifully restored and represented in the Sorsese documentary from a year ago when he just will will zoom in on Bob's face, you know, as he's yes. you know, howling and his eyes are bursting out of his face and he's doing ISIS, um, you know, similar mm-hmm. similar kind of strategy. And there's just so much loaded, such a story told just in that in that face, that unmistakable visage as he's performing. You know, you can project so much onto it, uh, as we all do, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which says more about each of us as listeners. Yeah, us, exactly. As as it does. But, you know, he he, that's, among so much else, something that he provides uh, for us. And But there's so much in his expression, uh, you know, the rarely cracked smile uh it, it, it is becomes revelatory every time that there's you know even a lifting of the an upturn of the lips if you will <laughs> which is so rare but it does happen occasionally in this in this body of clips that we've been looking at uh, the joy uh that's palpable when he's on stage with Joan Baez mm. during the Rolling Thunder review a particularly rousing rendition of uh, I pity the poor immigrant where he's just clearly delighted to be there with, with Joan. So great. The way their faces are framed is almost like, uh, it's almost like Bergman's persona, you know, they're matched up perfectly. <laughs> they become one a, a couple different times in that one clip. Uh, but again and again, yes, you know, whether we know who the uh, cinematographers were for these clips or if they were uh, camera uh, operators whose names have been lost, uh, uh, to to history and mismemory, uh, a real um, care taken uh, in these clips to to try to get at the essence or the essences of Dylan from moment to moment. So so often you'll see these close ups um, that uh, you know he look he holds the screen uh, magnificently. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, you know he he knows his way around a camera yes. in front of a camera maybe not maybe not quite so much behind it although Lord knows <laughs> Lord knows he's tried that too certainly but you know you look at something like Cold Irons Bound from two thousand three mm. uh, this is you know, Dylan and his band revisiting the song that of course was initially on released on Time Out of Mind in nineteen ninety seven uh, but he goes back to it six years later. Um, in the guise of Jack Fate, sure does uh, his character in um, Mass and Anonymous. Mass and Anonymous. Thank you, the Larry Charles film. And uh, uh, to me, that's perhaps my personal favorite clip. Here you have a stationary camera positioned just so, a little off center, and you've got Dylan 
in the foreground, again, absolutely knowing where the camera is, which seems like it's inches from him, uh, and what he's doing with it. The very few times he gives the camera his full-on gaze, other times he's darting his eyes, he's looking down, he's looking around, he's looking behind him at Charlie Sexton. Uh, and it's it's the that static camera, the way the band members are framed around him, the they're so in the groove. It, it, that is a mesmerizing six plus minutes, which every time I wish would never end. And, uh, you know, it's, again, it's Dylan in the guise of a character that he played in a film, adding yet another layer of, uh, of sort of playfulness and ambiguity uh, to who the narrator, who the character is that we're seeing in that clip. Uh, I, I just can't tear my eyes away. Um, and it's yeah. somehow it's a surprise every single time I see it. It's it's incredible. I mean, Masked Anonymous is one of my very favorite and of the, of the Bob Dylan movies. Even Don't Look Back, you know, that's that's my personal favorite. We presented a, a showing of it with Larry Charles last year and actually interviewed him about it. Um, and he had a bunch of you know incredible stories uh, about obviously ma- making the movie with Bob and the cavalcade of Hollywood stars uh, that came through for like yeah. day rate apparently because they just Val Kilmer wanted to work with Bob Dylan, Luke Wilson sure. wanted to work with Bob Dylan. Uh, sure. But I, th- I think you said uh, the other night when when you presented the films, just to emphasize it, right? Like that that camera setup, that shot, that was Bob's idea, right? Like he I'm set that up. I'm pretty sure, yes. And I, I think Larry Charles has talked about this, um, that Dylan really had a strong sense of the concept for that clip. and uh, Or, you know, whether it was a collaboration between the two of them or it it, it just works it's uh, it's phenomenal it's one of my favorite dylan moments of you know 60 plus years and counting yeah it's it's incredible i i do have to admit i i was hoping i was thinking there was going to be some masked and anonymous content at uh in uh, in the uh the program and i was so excited to see that there was but i was i had my fingers crossed that we were going to get some sort of unseen footage from the canoga park soundstage sessions where he did all of the acoustic songs that you see intercut throughout that movie. I think, uh, you know, some of the covers like Dixie um, or Diamond Joe, um, or uh, I think he does I'll Remember You, uh, which is one of the most affecting mm-hmm. performances in that movie. Do you guys, just, mm-hmm. I, as a nerdy kind of question, do you guys have that stuff? Have you seen that stuff? I neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. Frankly, I ha- I'll have to delve in and check in with colleagues to to see if um, if that footage is is part of the archive. I, I don't want to give an incorrect answer. I, I confess there's so much here uh, that I've personally not had time to uh, uh, to delve into. So <laughs> I know there are surprises awaiting me. Uh, 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 you know, as I go about my work here uh, these past couple of years. So I will find out. And if so, and if we're able to share that, uh, we can include some of that in, in the in another package that we put together. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed. I'll be waiting with bated breath. That's one of the, uh, you know, uh, there's been so much released to the bootleg series already, obviously, but we're, we're insatiable. We always want more. And that's one of the ones that I've always kind of held my, held my hope out for is just all of those performances. Cause I think there were 20, 25 or something. Again, Larry has said this himself. Um, and the way that band sounds, you know, that 2002 era, never ending tour crew, but stripped down playing acoustically. It's just, 
That's that's perfect music as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I pity the poor immigrant. Another uh, another legendary um, session of stripped down acoustic music played by Bob that has never really been seen publicly is the Supper Club performance or performances mm-hmm. from 1993, which I was thrilled to see. Uh, we got Ring Them Bells, I think, from those uh, yeah, yeah. those those shows in this film package. What can you tell us about that? You know, such a great song from Oh Mercy, and uh, he did it at the Supper Club shows uh nicely filmed even though a uh, slightly grainier than some of the others you know we we worked with the best source material we could uh access uh i, I just i i think it's a real standout uh from the set lists from those uh particular run of shows uh once again he just seems to be pouring himself into that song uh from from the way he's playing guitar on it to his interactions with band members. And then just, you know, the vocal is, um, is so committed in passion, uh, in passion. You know, he seems to be discovering new elements of that song that maybe were coming as a surprise to him in the moment, uh, as, as can happen. Um, you know, this is never just wrote for him. And so, uh, you know, there was something that was calling to him from that song from from years past. And uh, he just digs in deep. Uh, the band gives such a sympathetic reading to it. It's a, a lovely arrangement. Uh, and I love what he does with with, um, you know, the instrumental breaks. Uh, he's he looks very dapper. Yes, his uh, little uh, uh, sport coat, his like white and black check tweed sport yeah, coat. Yeah, beautiful houndstooth check. Uh, I, it's it's just um, yeah, it's it's a it's a lovely moment, and it it's, it it comes, I think, at a good at a good point in the program, uh, and has has proven to be a crowd pleaser in the handful of times that that we've shown it. Yeah, absolutely, it's. Uh, I mean, I think that's. If you're the kind of person who's going into this performance or, or you know this this uh, showing, you know, expecting like, oh, we're gonna get we're gonna get some some '65 tour footage, we're gonna get Maggie's Farm at Newport, which is there and is incredible. Yep. I just that I mean, as many times as I've seen that and heard that, just the way the band sounds, that like angular proto punk kind of you know jittery feeling that you get on the guitar, it's like it still blows yeah. my mind every time. Oh, I mean, you hear it, you know, that's Mike Bloomfield on guitar and. Yeah. I, I, it, it still sounds shocking. You know, you, you can imagine how it came across to, to the unanticipated folkies, you know, who didn't know what they, what was in store for them. It it's uh, as you say, it's edgy, you know, his, his guitar, Dylan is unrelenting in, in his rhythm guitar playing. And then you've got Bloomfield just firing off these, these leads, these these sort of strangled notes, um, and 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 the way they burst out from uh, his hands on the uh, on the strings um, and what and the fretwork he's doing, 
uh, and the way that it's shot, you know, he's in the shadows for most of it. There's, there's really something ominous <laughs> and, uh, and uh, almost attack, attack like in its, um, in its presentation. And, and yes, I do, I do think about post-punk and, uh, and, and, how it's you know just like so much of that uh, stuff that that Dylan was doing then it's it sounds like tomorrow absolutely um, it, it's like like we still haven't quite caught up with that uh, we're all just uh you know a thousand miles behind to quote uh, yes. quote another song um yeah well yeah I mean and and so you get footage like that you know and that's incredible stuff and like you mentioned already the Rolling Thunder performance with Joan uh from the you know second leg of the tour I think that was from what the Fort Collins show the it was a TV special I think for CBS um the sound of the band you get on like the Hard Rain record for instance and you get all through there you know during the presentation you have and then you realize like oh wait this is like a 12 12 movie or 12 clip, you know, uh, presentation here. And we've, we've already gotten all the way up to like 1981 and blown in the wind from the shot of love tour. And that's like just the sixth thing that shows up here. The seventh, I forget exactly uh, where it occurs, but like, that's what I love about this. And what I loved about mixing up the medicine when we talked to Mark and Parker is just the, the attention and the focus. I think that you're all willing and interested in putting on the, the second half of this man's career, you know, because like uh, the, the the like we saw with Shadow Kingdom, where he does um, what did he do? Not disease of conceit. Uh, what was it you wanted? Um, that's an early song of Bob Dylan at this point, right? You know, Shadow <laughs> Kingdom was right. uh, focused on the early music of Bob Dylan and Oh Mercy material, which from 1989 that, that that's from the first half of the man's career. Um, I know we're so, talking thirty five years ago. Yeah. It's wild, uh, but so the you know the 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 interest and the the care um, and the willingness to put all of that stuff, I think, up at the very you know on the same level as all of the extraordinary flashbulb moments from nineteen sixty two to nineteen sixty six, and then obviously you know the early mid seventy stuff as well. That's what I really appreciate about what you guys are doing and have been able to do because that's. You know, I take that approach for granted myself, but that's just not not what you get from Bob Dylan fans outside of a really select few. Well, look, it's it's tempting to uh, dwell on the '60s uh, footage because you know, as I said earlier, it's it's as if we it still feels like it's in the future, as opposed to 60 years ago, uh, and it's endlessly fascinating, and there's just surprises every time, but. Uh, we we do look at Dylan and we love and appreciate Dylan in his entirety. Uh, and, you know, I'm just as excited about Shadow Kingdom, which I go back to again and again these last couple of years, as I am by the Baby Let Me Fall You Down clip from, you know, 66 with yeah. with the band back again. Uh, because these are all, you know, they're, they're chapters in, a, in an ongoing saga. Uh, and and there's so much to glean from all these different phases. Uh, and I love seeing Dylan doing his Johnny Cash tribute, Train mm, of Love. Train of Love, so uh, good. I, you know, he's he's dancing a little jig. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a it's a beautifully shot uh um clip. Then you've got you referenced earlier the Tony Bennett tribute, uh Once Upon a Time. Uh, it's it's elegiac it's it's you know it's it's dylan the crooner 
there's the slightest hint of camp to it, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in, in Dylan's uh, costume, in his stance, you know, the, 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 the wide-legged stance holding the, the microphone. Stance. It's just so it's, and again, he know, he knows exactly what sort of effect he's having with, he sure does. with you know, the, the, <laughs> the choreography, if you will. <laughs> and he's singing beautifully. And uh, you know, that that's, that's Dylan as much as, um, you know, blowing in the wind from 81 or when the night comes falling from the sky with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers from 86. Uh, all are, to me, equally fascinating, equally worthwhile uh, and uh, revealing of Dylan's creative process. Uh, and that's really our focus here at the center um, so it would do a disservice, I think, to Dylan, the artist, and to our audiences and to folks who are coming out to see these films, be it in San Francisco or New York or Portland and, and more to come, uh, if we were only to do, uh, you know, uh, if we were to stop at 1965. Right. Uh, I mean, that, you know, that could be a special focus area. But for me, it's it's more fun to uh, to be able to share uh, the decades and counting of of performances. Absolutely. And and that, I think, is ultimately what's so valuable about what you guys are doing at the center and with the archive is, is you know, embracing all of that stuff and really taking, now that there is this, you know, sort of sun at the center of the, you know, Bob Dylan scholarly universe, whatever you want to call it, you know, the, the, the big thing at the, at the middle that all of the other institutions and classes and podcasts and articles, you know, we can all sort of orbit around. But you know, sort of leading that charge and being willing to invest yourselves fully and, and, and really focus on the whole other half, 60% of the man's career that is so less well-known to many people out there, you know, people who might only be familiar with, uh, you know, Blonde on Blonde and Blood on the Tracks, for instance. Like, that's that's the exact kind of approach and mission that I would hope a place like the Bob Dylan Center was willing to take on and, and interested in pursuing. And I'm so stoked honestly to see that that's exactly the way that you guys are, are approaching it yourselves well thanks Ian. that's good to hear uh you know because we're again if we're to do our our job right here as stewards of the archive uh we we have to be able to reflect uh the entirety uh, of the artistic output and uh come up with hopefully surprising and illuminating juxtapositions of different film clips, uh, different material from over the years. And, and hopefully the later stuff sheds different light on the earlier and vice versa. <laughs> uh, so as we go back and forth um, and, and pull through uh, performances from over the years, uh, the, you know, it's, it's fun when they start, you have these different Dylans that sort of speak to each other across time and, and place. Totally. Um, imagining, imagining the Dylan who's doing um, once upon a time and and what is he thinking back to uh, you know being on stage at Newport and and everything that's come uh, in the ensuing years uh, you know who who's to say but I but I I like how one clip plays upon another and you you have histories that run backwards and forwards um, it's you know once again just sort of shows him in his in his totality brilliant way to yeah 
you know, sing that song. You know, it's all one story, all all one song. At the end of the day, the man is still still writing new chapters. You know, as <laughs> we're speaking here uh, on the eve of yet another round of the Rough and Rowdy Ways tour, starting up in uh, I think Florida in a couple weeks here. In Florida, yeah, we'll we'll see what kind of surprises uh, emerge and Let's see what Grateful Dead covers he has in store for us this time. Could well be, or who knows? It'll be, it'll be something totally different. Uh, and 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 if footage emerges that uh, we are in the clear to show, you know, then, <laughs> yeah, then all exactly. The yeah, uh, yeah, footage from uh, the the folks who get through the yonder pouches at uh, <laughs> at all of the uh, the beautiful theaters across the country. Was there sure. um was there anything that you thought about including in this selection that you decided against uh, including, or just any other kind of incredible uh, things that you you're excited about that didn't make the cut? Well, there's there's definitely more that can be shown. I, I'm very partial to um, uh, uh, to a, a version of Simple Twist of Fate, uh, mm. uh, from a TV special uh, from '76 uh, that I really love. Uh, there's well, yeah. Let's 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 hold on to some surprises. And, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and and when the time is right, we'll we'll be able to present some other. Uh, some other programs that that contain some of the other footage but suffice it to say there there is more uh we're doing our best to uh preserve uh, all of this footage um as we see with the final clip that's uh, presented in this current uh hour-long uh collection uh we've done some restoration work to some of the footage and there's more of that to come uh so you know as as much as can see the light of day in in the coming years we'll We'll continue to take the show on the road and and share footage with audiences. That's beautiful, beautiful here, beautiful to hear. Great to know. I actually uh, had a question about that. The the that last clip at the end of the the program where it kind of talks about what you've been doing at the center. It it sounded like you're you have like everything from the eat the document uh, footage and are embarking on you know kind of a, a presentation or like a restoration and you know cataloging of all of that. Well, Pennebaker shot about seventy thousand feet of film. You know, so we've seen a lot of that in in. Don't look back and eat the document. We showed uh, in this a program um, a previously unknown uh, uh, cut of uh, "It's All Over Now, Baby Blue." Mm. So great, Dylan enunciating, you know, drawing out the last syllable of each line. It's a really great performance. Uh, so there's more of that to come. Uh, there's more of the '86 uh, hard to handle. Uh, uh, Petty and the Heartbreakers uh, tour footage uh, that was shot in Australia over two nights uh, that we'd love to fully restore and and you know and and then other other surprises so lots of, lots <laughs> of fun matter, stuff. It's a matter of time and resources and uh, and us being able to get to this and uh, make sure that the the footage is in as good and as complete uh, shape as possible. Of course. Well, I'll stop uh, uh, pestering you and trying to, to tease out uh, all sorts of different <laughs> little morsels of secret information. Um, but it's good to know that, you know, this is a, an ongoing effort. And hopefully it sounds like folks around the country might be able to look forward to additional presentations of this program. In, at some I point. sure hope so. That That's the plan. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you. I'm back in Tulsa, but... Uh, Ian saw you in San Francisco at the Great Roxy Theater, mm-hmm. uh, who played host uh, for uh, that screening. Um, 
uh, on February 6th. Uh, a couple nights before that was at the Smith Rafael Film Center in San Rafael. Uh, and uh, the night after San Francisco, I, I brought the program to Cinema 21 in Portland for a full house there. And so we've got a, a whole list of cities that we're hoping to get out to. Uh, if I can steal myself away from my desk again <laughs> a little later this year, uh, I'll, I'll see uh, where I can bring this. But uh, I'm, I'm heartened to see that there's interest uh, and that folks will turn out uh, to see this footage. It's a great opportunity to, uh, you know, as you say, uh, see things that even some of the diehard Dylanologists will find surprising. For more casual fans, I think there's just a lot to delight in here. Uh, and I think it'll send people back home, um, digging out old albums and and listening anew to some favorite or some some new songs. Uh, so yeah, uh, we'll, we'll continue to get out there with this footage and, and, uh, and hopefully a lot of people will have an opportunity to see, uh, in the coming year or two. Absolutely. You're, yeah, you're doing, uh, like I've already said, doing the Lord's work with this stuff. I was honestly delighted at the end of it. You know, the Tony Bennett clip is the last, um, uh, the last clip, you know, before that little informational one, uh, that's there as a bumper, but I was just delighted to see and hear the audience reaction to that like everyone was just absolutely floored absolutely tickled with that performance because it's a beautiful performance it's totally uh, choreographed amazingly shot shot beautifully like you've already said uh but I, <laughs> I i gotta think you know not too many folks have have made their way through all 30 songs on triplicate for instance but that's a record you know a series of records that is just still awe-inspiring to me to this very day one of my absolute favorites yeah no, just, yeah, the you know those three records all together. One of which, as you say, is a is a triple. So we've got you know ten sides if we're talking vinyl. That's true. <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of great American songbook to you know that that Dylan just pours himself into, and uh, yeah, that once upon a time I think exemplifies that period really nicely. It's beautiful. Um, and what else, uh, I would say you've already been so generous with your time, so I don't need to keep you for too much longer, but just to sort of wrap things up, you know, like you said, you, you have brought this, uh, movie show, uh, uh, on the road here, uh, to a couple cities here at the start of the year. Um, but in Tulsa itself at the center itself, what, uh, what's going on there at the moment? Do you have stuff kind of coming up throughout the rest of the year? We sure do. In fact, uh, in the midst of that little mini West coast, uh, tour of showing this film program, we announced our next exhibition, uh, which opens March 8th. And this is the first time we'll be looking at a musical artist uh, other than uh, Dylan. And this is a, a retrospective looking at the Pogues mm. uh, and the great Shane McGowan. Who, sure. Uh, oh, Rest of course, in peace. We, we just lost, yeah, a, a few months ago. But this show had been in the works for some time with McGowan's uh, full participation and it opened at Epic, which is the um, Emigration Museum based in Dublin, Ireland, of course, very fittingly. Uh, and we will be the pre premier U.S. venue wow. uh, for this absolutely wonderful show that uh, celebrates uh, the Pogues, you know, as one of the great bands uh, of our era, uh, with McGowan as truly one of the great singer-songwriters you know, Dylan himself uh, was a great admirer sure. and has spoken about listening to Fairy Tale of New York uh, every Christmas. You have Springsteen saying, you know, I'm not sure about the rest of us, but I know that people will be singing Shane McGowan songs 100 years from now. <laughs> uh, so we're really going to celebrate uh, uh, McGowan's artistry 
uh, just the, the, the incredible band, uh, the, the you know string of classic albums that they made. Uh, so there's a lot of really wonderful material there. Uh, that's opening March 8th and will be up for two months. Uh, so I encourage listeners, if you uh, have been thinking about making the trip out to Tulsa to see the all the materials at the Dillon Center, and you're also Pogues fans, this will be the perfect uh, time uh, to come out. Uh, also uh, very excited about the show that'll open after that, which is called How Many Roads, mm. which looks at Glenn and his involvement in the civil rights movement. Um, so that'll open in, in late May. And we'll be up for a little over three months. I, I think that's going to be very eye-opening uh, for uh, visitors. Uh, on the special events front, on March 10th, uh, another Dylan acolyte, uh, Wesley Stace, who went by the name John Wesley Harding for many years until reclaiming his real name. <laughs> uh, Wesley Stace, absolutely great singer-songwriter who's been making records now for 30 plus years. He's also a very accomplished writer. He has four novels to his name. He puts together shows called Cabinet of Wonders. Uh, he does these quite often in New York, uh, but he takes the show on the road too. And he invites favorite bands, musicians, writers, poets, stand-up comics to do review style shows. Mm. And they're everyone is a surprise and they're all different. And so uh, Wes took up uh, our invitation to present his first cabinet out here in Tulsa. And we have an incredible lineup. Uh, our, our Bob Dylan Center artist in residence, Joy Harjo, will be uh, reading poetry and taking part in a musical performance. Uh, Eugene Merman, the wonderfully absurdist comic, uh, who might be known to listeners as one of the voices on Bob's Burgers. Uh, great Irish poet Paul Muldoon. Uh, Wesley Stace himself with his band. Uh, and it just, it, the hits just keep on coming with Grantley <laughs> Phillips, uh, John Doe, Dean and Britta uh, of, of Luna, sure. uh, and Yola Tango. Uh, so we have really a, an incredibly stellar lineup. Hell yeah. Uh, all of will be on stage individually and together on March 10th uh, for Wesley Stace's Cabinet of Wonders, presented by the Bob Dylan Center. Incredible, uh, incredible lineup that you got there. I just uh, saw Yola Tango the other night here in uh, San Francisco. I can uh, assure everyone out there they they still got it, folks. They are uh, as oh, hot yeah. as ever. And John Doe, I mean, oh, huge X fan. I, uh, that man is uh, an incredible musician and artist. Yeah, well, we're we're happy to call him a friend of the center. He's been here and has been very supportive. And uh, we we couldn't dream of doing uh, Wes's cabinet without John's participation. So it's really going to be something special. Sounds like a hell of a time. Um, well, thanks again for uh, hopping on with me here today, Steve. And uh, you know, thanks so much uh, one more time for all of the work that you all are doing out there at the Bob Dylan Center. It's uh, I have yet I have yet to to make it myself, but it is my mission to get there before too long. I just got to, <laughs> I got to get to Tulsa. <laughs> All right, Ian, we we got the, the open door for you and for everyone listening. Uh, thanks so much for your interest and your support. Um, you know, we, we all do our part to, uh, to tell the Dylan stories uh, and uh, the Jokerman podcast is a very important part of that. So it's a, a real pleasure to talk to you today. Look forward to seeing you and all your listeners soon. Thanks so much. Once upon a time, a girl with more light in her eyes. 
Beneath her willow 